We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Chicago Bears fans? The Chicago Bears are 0-2 after another bad, bad, bad loss here in Week 2. Um, yeah, I, it's it's really hard to put into words um, how the season has gone so far um, for the Bears, but we're here to do that just for you. On this post-game edition of the Bear Report Podcast, I'm Zach Pearson. I'm joined by Usaid Koshal and Andrew Freeman, and we're going to get into everything starting right now. Let's do it, guys. Um, yeah, uh, week two after a you know very eerie week um, at Hallis Hall, the Bears lose twenty seven seventeen. They were in at the end; they had a chance at the end. Um, you know, it was really a game where the offense looked good at the start, and then it just kind of went back to its old ways. They had a chance at the end to win it, and guess what they did? They went back to their old ways. Um, and you know, twenty seven points given up, but realistically. It was 20 um, by the defense, which I I thought was good enough for an average offense to win. Um, but here we are. The Bears are 0-2, and, and, and it's just a nightmare start to the season. Yeah, there's just – there aren't too many positives to say about the start of this year. You had the whole debacle in week one where everything went wrong. This week, you know, the defense looked a little bit better with Matt Eberflus calling – you know, the defense, I wouldn't say it was like good or anything. They still gave up a ton of yards. Baker Mayfield was, you know, dicing them up for most of the game. Um, and the run defense is still inconsistent at best, I, I think. But look, I mean, the story of this team going to the year is that they did a lot of investment on offense to see if Justin Fields could be the guy for them. This is kind of like his trial year. I mean, I guess last year was his trial year, but this year was the year where you're you know, if he was going to make the leap, this was the year to do it. And, you know, this team was kind of, you know, built to win off the back of an above average offense. And hopefully the defense is just good enough to win you some games. And this game, the defense felt like it was, it did good enough to win them this game. And the offense just once again, just is not good. Like Getze, like wasn't as bad in this game. I felt like we'll get to that, that screen uh, call near the end. I'm sure. But it really felt like, um, you know, last week if, if alarm bells weren't going off like faintly in, in the distance for the quarterback position with Justin Fields, like they're starting to get loud at this point in, in terms of like whether he's he's the guy or not. And that's kind of my takeaway from this one. It's just like a lot went wrong for the Bears once again in this game, but they're not getting enough from the quarterback position, which is a familiar spot for Bears fans to be in. 
And it's a combination of a lot of things because if you look at the defense, and yes, compared to last week, both sides of the ball played better today, but it's still just a complete mess all around because you have a team that can't get off the field on third down, specifically the defense, and then you have an offense that is not good enough to overcome mistakes after it shoots itself in the foot once or twice and then it just kind of leads to this entire conundrum of who's really more at fault here now if you ask me i mean the offense is at fault and the offensive coordinator is at fault and it goes beyond the quarterback too because from first play to last play they're just too damn inconsistent all across the board to even justify playing a complete game you look at justin fields today i mean yes he had shades of being aggressive, but it still wasn't enough. I don't know why Roshan Johnson went into the third quarter averaging, you know, 11 yards of carry, and they still decided, hey, we're not going to go ahead and feed him by any means. And then you look at the passing game in general. Well, guess what? You didn't get Darnell Mooney involved at all, which you probably should have done. Chase Claypool, again, was better today in terms of effort, but still too damn inconsistent. You know, there's nothing there for Cole Clement. They can't figure out the running game. It seems like, you know, you're trying to run this hybrid offense that, you know, gives you flashbacks of Mark Trussman, but also Matt Nagy at times, and it's just too inconsistent play-to-play to justify putting anything together. Let me just, let me ask you guys this, and this is going to be the easiest question. What do the Bears actually do right? In two weeks, what have they done Right. My answer, I think the only thing they've done right is probably special teams. I think they've been fine on special teams besides long return they had against Green or they gave up against Green Bay. Um, I, I, I can't find anything. I, I think Richard Hightower right now is the best coordinator in the building, and that's no offense to him. That's not saying much. He's, even he's had his faults. They don't do anything right. I, I don't know. Unless you got, I mean, what do they do right? I mean, I, I would say they do a great job of putting Bears fans into a pit of misery every single season. So uh, that's that is true. That's we can hang true. that on their on their head. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if we're just talking on the field, like they're nothing to do right. The run game that was good last year is just it's not there right now. And, and what's I, I, what's amazing to me is that like last year, you know, they had this thing going where they leaned into Justin Fields as a runner for long portions of basically midway through the season. They started to really lean into that. And they've basically gone away from that to start the year when that was clearly something that worked for them and helped get that offense on schedule. And they just, they just don't do that anymore. So the one thing they were good at last year on offense, they're, they're not doing really well right now because you know, whether it's the offensive line issues or the scheme or just play calling selection, game planning, whatever, it's just, it's not really looking good right now. Passing game is a complete mess for a variety of reasons, you know, and Getsy's at fault for sure. Justin Fields is certainly at fault. He does not look like a very comfortable passer at the moment. And then defensively, like they can't get after the quarterback. They can't create turnovers. You know, again, I said run defense is inconsistent at best. Like, yeah, it's this again, there's this was a three and 14 team last year. And again, they look like a three and four, they look like they're going to be, you know, around that again this year, which is just after all the resources available to them this past offseason is just incredibly frustrating. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's frustrating because I feel like, you know, there was a lot of hype around this team. We shouldn't have been fooled, though. Like, you know, I mean, they – last year they're the worst team in the NFL record-wise. I, I, you know, I, I think there's an argument to say they're probably more talented than the, than the Texans. 
probably more talented than like the, the Cardinals. Um, but at the same time, they are what they are. I mean, they're a bad football team. They're three and 16 under Matt Eberflus. They've lost 12 straight games. There's no improvement. Last week was a nightmare watching Green Bay come in and, and Jordan Love throw three touchdowns and you can't get your offense going. And then this week you look and it's like, okay, like the first drive, we're like, they got it. They finally understand it. Like they're targeting DJ Moore and it was scripted. However, they go off script and they struggle. They just, they, they really struggle. And you know, it's, it's, it's everyone. It's Justin Fields um, not being able to process the field. I mean, that the three downs he had, was it the second quarter or third quarter? I think it was the second quarter. Um, Yeah. Second quarter. The string of three downs, you know, there was a sack. Um, I think it was another incomplete pass. Um, there was a lot of a lot of things going on. Those were probably the three worst down stretch of downs he's had in his entire NFL career. Um, it's Luke Getzey. It's the play calling. For the love of God, why are you calling a screen inside your own six-yard line? That tells me they don't trust him throwing the ball down the field. I, I don't know. Like I'd rather have him force a ball down 40 yards than throwing a screen pass. Like it's the mistakes. It's it's Braxton Jones again, another hold, another false start. It's the offensive line getting blown up. And I thought the offensive line actually played better than he did last week, but they still allowed four or five sacks, like nine or 10 pressures. You know, they were, they were false starting it's 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 a mixture of everything. I think it's like it's oddly enough to say like I, this might sound crazy. Outside of DJ Moore and Roshan Johnson, Bears' best player in offense is probably Chase Claypool. <laughs> like I mean, and that's bad. Like he had a terrible week one, but I mean he was a little better this week, I guess. Like I mean I don't think he was terrible. Uh, people want to say the the ball over the middle to him. He was scared to get hit. That's what we call a hospital ball. Like that's you, you can't force that to your wide receiver. Um. I don't know, man. They do a lot of things wrong. They, they, they just, the offense is not working and I don't know what, and this is the thing though. The offense didn't work all off season. Like it did not work. It, it did not work at all. Like you go to training camp and you see the seven on seven stuff and people are tweeting out, Oh, you know, fields is seven for eight on seven on seven drills. Yeah. But like, you're supposed to be perfect. Like that offense was not humming. I knew it like seeing, there was one practice. They were bad. They, there was the football all over the field, and Luke Getzey came in and actually said he thought the offense did well. And I, when he said that, my my my, my jaw dropped. I I could not believe it. And I'm not saying he has to throw his team under the bus, but we have to be real at sometimes. Like, yeah, we have to be better at this. We have to clean this up. Execution has to be better. Yeah, you know, I thought it might have been a good day, but we have to get a lot better. They don't say any of this thing. It's all word salad from all of the coaches they're too scared to tell us who the kick returner is they're too scared to tell us who the kick returner is that is absolutely insane to me that is insane to me they keep that a secret and then with that like leading on to like ryan poles you drafted a guy to be a kick returner essentially in the third round and he's been inactive for one week did not return a kick this week even though he was back there for him and then had a loss of yards on a run it's it's a mess. It, it feels like another two and 14, three and 13, three and 14, whatever, two and 15, three and 14 season. Um, but they're going to, they're going to find a way to screw it up. Like they, I, 
I don't know. It's just, it's all bad. <laughs> it's all bad. They're going to find a way to rebound and get just enough wins to get out of the Caleb Williams um, derby. They won't even get Drake May. <laughs> They'll get like the number four overall pick. Like they won't even get one of those two. Like Caleb Williams is the prize. He's the prize of this draft. But if you don't get him or Drake May, it's an absolute failure. Like maybe, I don't know. I don't really scout quarterbacks this early. Like Michael Penix is a name. But like, I, I don't feel confident he's a franchise changing guy. Like, I feel like Caleb Williams is a franchise changing guy. I feel like Drake may has work to do, but could be something like that. But like, yeah, I don't know. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's yeah. I don't want to get into that conversation too early, although we have to talk about fields at some point more in depth here because it was it was a polarizing performance to say the least. But I mean, if we're going to reference anything the Bears did better today, like they got DJ Moore more involved, like six receptions, 104 yards. Like when they actually went his way, and they could have gone even like there were plays where he was open during this game where he could have been more involved in the game plan. But whenever they went his way. Like he was, he was as advertised. Like it's been like this, like all off season. And I agree with you, Zach, like where the offense will struggle for large portions of, you know, practices and, and, you know, 11 on 11 periods. And then what was the thing all off season? Like they, Justin Fields would find DJ Moore for a couple of big completions and that would get everyone excited that, Oh, maybe this offense can turn things around when really, I mean, this is just DJ Moore is the offense basically at this point and everything else is just so up and down um, you know, Claypool, like you said, he looked better today. You know, he looked like he was actually trying, which is a, a big step up from last week where it looked like he completely checked out um, pretty early on in that game. Like blocking still inconsistent. You know, that one play where he almost, where Justin Fields almost threw the interception. Like, first of all, it was, he was late throwing the ball and uh, it was a little bit behind, but that's a play where you'd like to see Claypool fight a little bit harder so that it's not so close to an interception on that or maybe just box out the guy because he's six foot four, 240 pounds, like maybe use your size a little bit, you know, to make a play for your quarterback. But I mean, yeah, he had the touchdown, he, you know, he had, he made a couple of plays. Um, you know, I'm not ready to say that Chase Claypool is like a new man or anything after, um, you know, it seems like the organization kind of got into him a little bit over the past week and, and called him out. But you know, and it's a step forward. It's too bad that Darnold Mooney, it looks like he got injured with like a knee issue because you know that he's been a security blanket for Justin Fields ever since he's gotten here. And to not have that on the field was 
just really unfortunate um, for most of this game. They didn't really get him involved when he was on the field anyway. Um, but yeah, to me, like the story of this game is just like the passing game is just, it's so broken at this point. And where have we like said this before, or when have we said this before? It seems like every year this routinely is an issue. And, and unfortunately, the, the unfortunate thing is this year, it wasn't supposed to be an issue. This was supposed to be the thing that, you know, got Bears fans a little bit more excited for game days. And right now it's just, it's the same old Bears. Yeah. And it, you know, you mentioned the passing game and the passing game is an issue because you know for a fact that you can't expect number one to kind of sit back there and be a typical pocket passer, which again, that's something that they're trying to make him into, which is what he's quite frankly never been. You look at a lot of the quarterbacks that have played in this system before and Guess what? You know, those guys are, you know, like you take Jared Goff, Matt Stafford, Brock Purdy. I'll even throw Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. And they're like, okay, fine. Those guys can be typical pocket passers simply because they are not the most athletic guys on the planet. But here what you're dealing with is this insanely athletic quarterback whose athleticism coming out of Ohio State and his first two years in the league was off the charts. And it was like, just go out there and make a play, dude. Just Go be a playmaker. And now it's like you're trying to bottle him up. And that's part of the problems of coaching staff. Part of the other problem that no one wants to talk about that Bears fans are just jumping to these conclusions saying, yeah, well, Fields is broken. And again, there are shades of him being completely broken. But the reality of it is also this, is that he's not smart enough to overcome a lot of his mistakes that he's consistently made. And then you factor in the third or fourth quarter it was when they went down the field and had that touchdown drive. I mean, they just kept going no huddle, quick game, no huddle, quick game. And that's where, you know, I tweeted out and I was like, wow, it's almost like Justin's a better quarterback when you're not asking him to go ahead and think and to have to necessarily huddle for 30 seconds after the play. But then again, that's, you want to do that, that's fine, but then you need to have the horses where you're not making, you know, multiple different personnel changes because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've certainly seen it's just like this coaching staff is so bad from head coach all the way down to quality control guys that they can't even make the personnel changes effectively and make them fast enough to the point where, you know, guys are just getting in and out of the huddle and in and out of or on and off the field effectively to be able to mix things up. I mean, it's getting to a point where it's just like, forget, you know, the on-field product, we know what it is. It's broken. It's bad. They can't do anything right. You know, someone today commented on one of my tweets saying, oh, the play calling is horrid. And I'm like, no, horrid is actually a nice word to use when describing the Bears offense. Like, it's beyond horrid. It's getting to the point where it's like, it's week two of the season and going into the year, I had kind of written some stuff on the bears and I said, there's three possible outcomes here. Number one, you're sitting here in mid December and you're talking about what's the magic number to count down for the NFC North division championship. Number two, I said, you know, the bears are a middle of the pack team. That's going to be in the playoffs. Number three is, Hey, it's Christmas Eve time. And we're looking at quarterbacks for next year already. And guess what? Like that, Outcome number three has come about two and a half to three months earlier than I anticipated. Now, on the subject of DJ Moore, I mean, every time the cameras caught him, you know, when he had some of the big plays today, it was very clear that you could tell there was a sense of, you know, energy, but it's not the DJ Moore that we saw in Carolina where you knew, you know, play after play after play, as long as they continue to feed him, that he was going to go ahead and continue to have an impact. And it's like, 
I said this on the Bear Report boards, and I'm going to say it again. It's a severe mismanagement of personnel that exists because you brought all these guys in, and now you can't figure out an offense for them. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com It's... It's just, it's a nightmare all around. I, we talked about it with, with Eberflus. And, um, you know, as we're recording this now, he's given us presser. Um, this is from our friend Nicholas Mariano of uh, CHGO. He was asked, Matt Eberflus was asked on the, on the screen that went for a pick six. His answer is a little, little bit of a per- paraphrasing here. It's great when it works. And when it doesn't, you can criticize. It's like, what is he talking about like stop with the word salad stop with the like their program to not give anyone any information i messed up we shouldn't have called that that was not a good play we have to execute better it's like last week when we asked him um, i forgot who asked him in the media why was dj Moore out in the red zone on back-to-back plays he had no idea he said he had no idea a week a day later ty tolbert wide receivers coach says pretty much gives the answer out it's like what are we doing here man like this is bad that's why i don't think like they got to make changes they're going down a very dark path they're going to be zero and three after next week they're going to be zero and three they're going to be double digit uh dogs on the road at kansas city and i don't know who's going to guard travis kelsey i don't know how they're going to stop patrick mahomes i it's it's going to get ugly i feel like this is going to spiral downhill um yeah i I mean it's just it, it was. It already felt like this game was going to be kind of like a pivot point where if they somehow found a way to win and play more inspired, that things would look – maybe they can turn this thing around. But now that you're going into Kansas City next week, 0-2, likely 0-3, I mean, like you said, it really has a chance to collapse here pretty quickly. And we're, and we're, and we're talking again about, you know, the, <laughs> we're spending halfway through the year we're going to be talking about the NFL draft instead of actually talking about you know, actual NFL football games on Sunday, which is just depressing in and yep. of itself. And on another depressing note, like let's get to the quarterback discussion here. Do we think there's any chance that Fields can turn this around and be the guy? Because from what we've seen through two games so far, it just it I, looks really bad. Yeah, I want to answer that. I I was fully on board Justin Fields. I thought he had the chance to be the guy. These two games have done more for his career negatively than any of his positives so far. And here's the frustrating part with it. I agree he's not getting helped out by his offensive line. He's not getting helped out by Luke Getze. However, the main issue with him and the thing that keeps holding him back is he cannot process a defense. 
He does not know when to get rid of the ball. He cannot get rid of the ball quick. He's not finding the open guys. I hate the screenshots. I hate screenshot season. That screenshot of him in the pocket where he stood there for a couple of seconds and pretty much every route except for one was open. That's bad. That is really bad. And, and, and it's the same thing with Mitchell Trubisky that we saw. You have to be able to process a defense. And I think, you know, Fields is a great guy. He works hard. He's not going to give up. He's going to try to improve, obviously. Um, I think we're now, I think going into this year, I think we're trending up. I think now we are trending totally down. Like it is absolutely going the wrong way and going the wrong way in a hurry. Um, to answer your question, can he turn it around? I think yes, because it's not impossible. Will it? I have a hard time. I have to see it. I have a hard time believing in it. I think you get to week six or seven and he, this is still going on. I don't know, man. I think it, you got to pull the plug on it a little bit. I, he just looks scared to run. He looks like he can't read the defense. Indecisive back there. And it's it's bad. And, and you know, there's a lot of people that defend him. And, and I defended him. But at the same time, I don't see how you can make a case for him being a franchise quarterback right now. He inspires no confidence in me whatsoever. And if you look at last week to this week, I mean, it's very clear. Like, listen, we know that the Bears offense is a mess, right? We know that, as Zach alluded to, the Bears are giving Justin Fields zero help from the online. You know, guys are missing assignments left and right. And, again, that's all at this point. Like, it's on coaching. But also as a quarterback, like, what are you doing to get – the 10 other guys on the field on the same page, right? Like, what are you doing to make sure that guys are doing everything correctly? Because as Peyton Manning said in the series quarterback, like it's your job as a QB to know your job, but also the job of the 11 or 10 other guys on the field. I'm sorry. And so at this point for me, you know, and Justin, it's like, do you want him to turn around? Yes. So that maybe just maybe, you know, if the bears fall out of the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, you go into the off season kind of going ahead and saying, Hey, there's a chance that with another year of an overhauled roster, another off season of having, you know, a hundred million cap space and a couple key free agent signings and all that, that, then Fields takes the fourth year leap, but also then, you know, that requires a hell of a lot, which number one, it requires him to show that this year he can be the guy. Number two, what it shows is this, is that the organization needs to have a certain level of stability at head coach, offensive coordinator, as well as, you know, the front office, which again, part of that is continuity at offensive coordinator, which Fields is never really had because he went from Matt Nagy and whoever the Bears well, was Bill Lazor, right, in 2021, all the way down to Luke Getze, you know, years second and third year with Luke Getze and then Matt Eberflus as a head coach. But then again, the issue with that is it's just like, let's just say you move on from Luke Getze after this year, you fire the entire coaching staff. Then you're looking at a predicament as a general manager where it's like, hey, are you going to hitch fields to the next coaching staff and be like, figure it out and have him learn, you know, his third system in four years. Or are you basically going to go ahead and say, Hey, let's just hit the total reset button, which that's going to require an entire organizational overhaul. But to get back to your original point, like right now, like Justin's inspiring, no confidence in anybody. And it's seriously at a point where it's like, even if he does improve and I wrote this, this past week on the website about what the hell is Ryan Poles role in all of this. Well, guess what? You damn well know that Ryan Poles is going to walk into George McCaskey's office at the end of the year and basically say, Hey, listen, 
and it's the most Chicago Bears thing to ever do, by the way, because I fully believe it's going to happen. But Ryan's going to walk into McCaskey and Kevin Warren's office at the end of the year and basically say, yeah, this is not my quarterback. This was the quarterback that the previous regime left behind. Give me a chance to get it right with my own guy. And knowing George McCaskey and who he is, he's probably going to end up signing off on that. I I think, you know, when we, when, when we look – at this, um, and I think it's it's very early to talk about firings and anything like that. I think it's fair to say though that this coaching staff is in trouble, um, especially with the stat I just gave. You know, the three and 16, 12 straight losses. They're in trouble. Um, Ryan Poles, I don't think will be in trouble. I don't think they want to give up on on a GM right away like that. Two years, however, the moves he's made very, very, very questionable so far. I mean, yikes. Like I, I, I understand why they passed on Jalen Carter. I get it. Um, I, I, I do think that, you know, Jalen Carter was in a, a better position going to Philadelphia. He's a game wrecker, man. Two game, two games. You can already see it. He is an absolute game wrecker. Um, that that might be an all-time mess for him. And, and I think Darnell Wright will be fine. Um, he's just being thrown into the fire. And and we gotta be real with this. Darnell Wright in the offensive line has faced two really damn good pass rushes. Two really good pass rushes. They're probably gonna face a third next week. They're gonna face a fourth in Denver. They're gonna face a fifth against the commanders. They won't get a quote unquote like break. I mean, until week what? Until they play Minnesota, Detroit. No, even Detroit's a good one. Um, until they play Minnesota. Um, I mean, we're talking about those four pass rushes, probably what top 15, top 10, maybe Denver's is not as good. Um, but those, those are pretty damn good pass rushes. I, the, the decisions that, that Ryan Poles has made, I mean, the trenches were the absolute biggest need for this team. And through two weeks, they are getting molly in the trenches. Like they are getting absolutely destroyed. I don't think Tevin Jenkins fixes that all the whole thing. Um, I don't know, man. Like Yannick Nagakwe at least got to Baker Mayfield, couldn't get him down. Um, but yeah, I think Ryan. I think it's be fair to start criticizing Ryan Poles, but I think this coaching staff. I think this is going the wrong way in a hurry for them, and I think they they have to do a lot to save their job. So I think that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, all the moves that Ryan Poles has made has definitely been with the long-term stability of the organization yeah. in mind. You look at trading down for number one. And I agree with his, um, with the move to trade down. Like he had to give Justin Fields this year and see what he can do. I think because yeah. of how good this next upcoming quarterback class looks like the whole point of the of that trade was to get that extra first round pick next year to kind of have that contingency. If things go haywire with, with fields this year. But I mean, like you said, like the whole, and, and a lot of things he did this offseason, I would have approached differently. Like when you go out there in the first day of free agency and you invest, what was it, over like $25 million a year at linebacker, which is basically the running back position of the defense, um, because your head coach just loves his run, his linebackers so much. Uh, you don't spend any, any resources on the defensive line besides like a couple of day two projects in the draft and um, a couple of band aid, like rotational guys at best in free agency, like, yeah, of course it's going to look bad. And it was, it was the worst defensive line in the NFL last year. And I don't think it got that much better whatsoever this year. And the, and the results are showing on the field. Like the Buccaneers don't have this 
great offensive line either. And they were able to basically control the, the line of scrimmage all game today. They got some push in the running game. Um, you know, they protected ba- Baker Mayfield for the most part. Like they can't get a pass rush. And it just, w- when you don't, when you can't win that battle in the trenches, it just, it sets back everything you want to do on defense, even with some of the guys they have in the secondary that are pretty solid. Right. And then offensively, like, you know, it's unfortunate. It looks like the Davis move, and I hope that Nick Davis is all right personally, by the way, with everything that he's yeah. got going on um, over the last month or so. Um, you know, Bears fans have been pretty hard on him, and I, I, I'll admit that I've been pretty hard on him as well. Um, but, you know, clearly, you know, if we're just evaluating, if we're separating that situation, if we're just evaluating what we've seen so far on the football field, it doesn't look like that move is necessarily, like, going to solve – the issues of the offensive line. You hope that Tevin Jenkins can make a difference. Um, but, you know, it's outside of a couple of moves. Like Ryan Poles wasn't necessarily that aggressive in actually fixing that offensive line. They were, they were, it seemed like they were content to let some of their young guys that they drafted last year develop a little bit, or some of the guys like Lucas Patrick um, get another shot at making, you know, having a role on this offensive line. It's just like, look, if you want to overhaul that unit, like you got to like, be more pre- proactive about you know spending more resources to address that. Like they should have gotten another center in this up in this last draft or free agency to kind of come in and compete at that spot. Right? They could have added more depth to that interior that right now is just in shambles. They could have added another a guy to develop at that tackle spot behind Darnell Wright and uh, Braxton Jones. And Braxton Jones, you know, he's had his ups and downs to start the year. Um, by the way, they could have got another veteran in there. At, at, actually, because there were some veteran tackles on the market this year that they could have brought in. And it's not like you can't say they didn't have the resources to do it. They had the most resources in the NFL this year. And when people say, like, well, we knew this was a rebuilding project, the second year of rebuilding projects, like, yes, that is true. You know, not everything was going to be fixed. My, my, my thought process is that look at what you decided to value in addressing first. You decided to address linebacker first instead of defensive line, Right. You address these other areas besides some of the core areas that are we knew that was going to give you problems. And look, it's showing up on the football field. And it's it's a direct reflection of the kind of the approach they had this offseason. In some ways, I get why they approached the offseason the way they did. But in terms of the individual moves themselves, like, yeah, a lot of them just ain't it. (laughs) And there's a lot of things about this Bears team right now that just ain't it. Yeah, it's it's rough, man. Um it's just rough. Looking around as we're recording this, though, um, Cardinals seventeen nothing. The Giants, they could stack some wins. They'll be out of the Caleb Williams discussion. I guess that's a bright spot. Um, I mean, the NFC North, like the Packers, one and one. The Lions, one and one. The Bears, zero two. The Vikings, zero two. Um, someone pointed out in my mentions, if it wasn't for Kadarius Tony, the uh, NFC North would be one and seven to start the season. That's how bad they've been. And the one win was obviously the Bears over the Packers. Um, you know, if you took away Detroit's, which you're not. But yeah, it's um it's bad. I guess let's close things out. You know, final thoughts. Um, we'll start with you, you say just a quick final thought on on what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, start of the season, I looked at it and said, okay, you know, starting off two and one through the first three is a very real possibility, but just looking at, you know, across the league. I will say this is that you can make an argument right now that the Bears are the worst team in football, okay? Because they have a roster that has talent that just can't put it all together. And so if we're sitting here in a few weeks and the Bears are like, 
0-4, you know, 0-6, that's when, you know, the heat's going to turn up. And, again, I don't really listen to a lot of Chicago sports radio because I talk about a lot of the same stuff. But, ultimately, you know, the, the Monday morning commutes into work with all those callers on ESPN and 6-7, the score are not going to be good in another few weeks. I mean, they're already bad sitting here at 0-2, but they're going to be even worse, you know, going into weeks five and six in just a few weeks here because it's like at some point, you know, you can light a fire under the coaching staff, right, and say, hey, listen, you are pretty much on your way out. But then that also has to trickle up to the general manager as well, who, quite frankly, we're going to be honest, is the guy that hired this coaching staff too. Well, hired the head coach that then hired the rest of the staff. And so, you know, there were some improvements today. But, again, it just wasn't enough to the point where – People's jobs have to be on the line, even though it's week two. Like organizations that tend to make change in this league now are not afraid to get a jump start on making those changes. And it's just like the Bears are still going to sit here and abide by the no. We're going to give guys, you know, until the end of the year. Like, no, you want things to start changing, dude. It's not just the players, it's the people that are calling the shots, too. Yeah, I'm curious to see how the uh, <laughs> how bad the the phone calls into Hogan Johns is going to be this week. That'll be yeah, that'll be a trip. Um, yeah, in terms of this game here, like I mean, what's there to say at this point? Um, like the coaching staff, I, I've said it from the beginning that I really questioned the hire from the start when it came to Eberflus, and it wasn't that he was a bad coach necessarily. I knew he was a good coach from his time in Indianapolis, but was he the right coach at the right time for this team? And was he the right guy that you wanted to? you know, build your franchise around. And so far, I just, I don't think that's the case. Like his hits philosophy doesn't seem to be hitting because you see guys loafing all over the field. You see guys, um, you know, giving lackadaisical effort. You're seeing penalties. They're not playing disciplined football. They're not playing smart. Um, They're making way too many mental errors out there. Um, There doesn't seem to be a ton of accountability in the locker room for a lot of things going around either, which is another thing that is, uh, you know, kind of frustrating. That was kind of his whole shtick was that he was going to bring more of that accountability um, to the locker room. And and so far, I, I'm just not sure that's the case. The play calling, like, again, I thought Getsy was better today, but this calling a screen on your own, like, five-yard line to the middle of the oh. field. Like, it was a great play by Shaquille Barrett. Don't get me wrong. And Fields maybe could have made a better decision not to throw it there. But, like, what are we doing with that? I mean, it just, yeah. it's brutal. And uh, he just doesn't seem to have, like, the feel for when to call run plays, um, when to call, you know, screens, when to call passing. Like, it's just, there's a lot wrong there. And then just the whole quarterback discussion. Like, again, the pillars of your organization um, is your GM, your head coach, and your quarterback. And right now, the Bears have massive question marks at best at all three of those spots right now. And that just puts you in a situation where you're already 0 2. You have a tough game on the road against Kansas City next week. Um, like I said before, it's it might get rough here before it gets any better, if it does get better. And if it doesn't, we're looking at another long, miserable season, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I'll close it out. I just uh, three words. Figure it out. Figure it out. That's all I can say. Um, Andrew, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Can I have the next uh, track in the trenches up uh, this oh, week? Have fun. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Last week was fun. So, uh, well, not fun, but <laughs> you know how it goes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that should be that should be out there later this week. And then 
um, for any other stuff, just make sure to check that out in the bear report. And then you say, we're going to follow you on Twitter at, yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report podcast or the Bear Report website each week. Yeah, you can just follow the Bear Report on Twitter. Just, well, X, formerly known as Twitter, at Bear Report. You can follow me on there at Zach, Z-A-Z-K underscore Pearson. Rate, review, subscribe. All major podcasting platforms helps Bear Report podcasts or post game and picks for polls um, along the way. Until next time, everyone, please stay safe and please stay healthy. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.